This sermon is brought to you by Shofar East London. Together, living out the fullness of Christ. We hope you enjoy this message. Hey, good morning, everybody. I'm going to touch on something that Andre uh, preached on on the 12th of January. He spoke about overcoming in 2020. And I don't know about you, but... Often January for me is quite a difficult month. I like November, December because there's so many, you know, so many things to look forward to. But when January comes, it's this whole year that you don't know what to expect and you don't know exactly what is going to come. And it could feel quite daunting, right? And Andre touched on that and I really felt that, you know, I need to share a few thoughts around that. As well. And my aim this morning is to convince you that you are well able to tackle this year. Amen. So you're going to walk out here with a renewed optimism and faith and confidence that you are well able. So I don't know how many of you have seen the movie How to Train Your Dragon. If you have kids, you would have seen this. It's a story about Hiccup. He was the son of a chief, the chief Viking. And the one thing that was expected of him to do killing a dragon he couldn't do. So he was this little boy, everybody viewed as a failure and a loser. But the beauty of these movies, it's, it's incredible how his greatest weakness eventually turned out to be his greatest strength. And he learned to speak the language of the dragons, and the dragons became their friends and not their enemies. And my, my dad wasn't a Viking, <laughs> so luckily I didn't have to kill dragons. But I had other challenges in my life, and I believe so do all of us. You know, for many of you know a lot of my stories, but standing here in front of all of you speaking, and speaking in a foreign language that was very foreign to me for a long time in my life, it was very daunting. I was super scared to speak in front of people, and for a very long time in my life, English, speaking English for me was one of the most difficult things to do, and it is just amazing, you know, if I look at my own life, if I look back, and I look at my weaknesses, and I look at my obstacles, and I look at so many things that I couldn't do, and now I must do those things regularly, it is only God's humor, you know, who can take me from you know, I could never do this, and I won't ever do this, and, you know, I would never be able to, to a place where I don't only do it, but I actually start to enjoy it. And I want to encourage you this morning, you know, uh, I, I, I want you to think about your weakness, or your obstacle, or your, the thing in your life that maybe is even coming from childhood that is keeping you from fulfilling what God calls you to do. You know, maybe you grew up in a home where they were, everybody was just academically focused. You know, a, a home or a, a family full of academics, but you never went to university. Or maybe you, you know, you're aware that your dad wanted a son for a firstborn, and, and you're not a son, you're a, you're a girl. Or maybe, you know, everybody in your family was crazy about rugby and you were not interested in rugby, and that's okay. That is okay. <laughs> but you wanted to play something. You wanted to play a different sport or you wanted to play an instrument, you know, 
you know, your, your dad's worst nightmare. <laughs> His son that he had dreams for to, to play rugby now wants to play a guitar. Or maybe you have bad memories about doing oral at school, like I have. You know, and you're still convinced that you can't speak in front of people. There's many of you doing what I do today. You are rather, you know, jump off uh, something, <laughs> parachuting or something than speaking in front of people, maybe you were not part of the cool crowd when you, when you were at school. Maybe you were not invited to parties and you still feel a bit insecure when it comes to social settings or, you know, birthday parties. Are you going to be invited? There's so many things that is part of our childhood or, you know, student years or even part of our adulthood that could keep us from becoming what God calls us to be and being an overcomer, looking at 2020 and say, I can do this. You know, even maybe just last year, things could have happened, make you feel insecure. And I really trust that whatever I'm going to share this morning is going to shift your, your, your thought processes from lies to truth. Because the truth is that God can even use our weaknesses. And I'm going to share a few of my weaknesses this morning. You know, areas where, where God is currently using me and it's not my strength. But God has chosen for some reason that, that I must do this. And in the same way, He wants to use you in areas where you, you might think, Oh my goodness, no, other people must do this because this is my greatest weakness. But God can turn those things around. Amen? For His glory. And you can actually move from hating something about yourself to loving it. Because that part of who you are is not necessarily your strength, but it, in, as, as you surrender that to God, His strength becomes perfect in you. And that is the beauty of knowing Jesus. It's the beauty of following Him because we are forever changing. Amen? Maybe you battle with anger or or, or depression, or debt, and you just feel that you, you can't snap out of it. It's almost as if, you know, it's this pattern in your life, and it's, it's recurring, and it's, you are battling to, to overcome. And this morning, I trust that God is going to shift a few things, amen, in our hearts and in our minds. So how can we become a partner? How can we partner with the Lord? Because we aren't robots, and God isn't just like a you know, this king who, you know, who programmed us to do things the way he wants us to do. We have a choice. It's a relationship. It's a partnership between us and God. So it's a journey. Whatever we achieve in life, whatever we become by God's grace, it's never just, you know, a quick fix or a, a instant solution. There's always a journey. And the the, the beauty of the journey is that it's part of your story. It's good. A journey is awesome. It's part of your story. It's part of your victory. Not only the, the miracle at the end, but your journey that you run or that you walk. So I want to talk first of all about perseverance. Perseverance. Do not give up. Hebrews 10, verse 36, it says, For you have need of endurance. So that after you have done the will of God, you may receive the promise. You have need of endurance. I think all of us can remember moments when we needed 
endurance. You know, I needed endurance when I failed my board exam as an accounting student. I didn't need a greater knowledge of my subjects. I needed endurance. I needed to say, I'm going to do it again, and I'll do it again, and I'll do it again until I pass. Sometimes we don't need more knowledge. We don't need to know more. We just need more endurance. You know, my son is in noon primary, and it's really awesome for me. The theme for this year that they're going to focus on is endurance. They're going to teach the kids to endure, to try again, not to give up. And I really love that. Because sometimes you have your brilliant kids, you know, they've just been born with all these amazing abilities. And then, then you have your average kids. And they need to learn endurance. Because ultimately, success is not about one achievement or two achievements. It's about picking yourself up when you fail. It's about trying again. So I want to read to you uh, just a a few entries in the diary of John Wesley. He was a co-founder of the Methodist movement. So this is what he looks like. Okay, so Sunday, the 5th of May, Sunday morning, preached in St. Anne's was asked not to come back anymore. Okay, Sunday evening, the 5th. Okay, he didn't give up. He, he preached again. Preached in St. Jude's. Can't go back there either. Two weeks later, it, it looks as if it took him two weeks to preach again. Preached in St. Somebody Else's. Deacons called special meeting and said I couldn't return. Most of us would have given up by this time, I think. The evening of May the 19th. Preached on street. Kicked off street. <laughs> a week later, May the 26th morning, preached in Meadow. Chased out of Meadow's bull was turned loose during service. Things are not going according to plan for this poor man. Okay, he didn't preach that evening. It was June the 2nd, the morning. Preached out at the edge of town. Kicked off the highway. But now listen to this entry in his diary. Sunday, June the second, the evening, the, well, the afternoon, preached in a pasture and 10,000 people came out to hear me. This is incredible. He was the co-founder of the Methodist Church. And I'm just so inspired, you know, by, by this man and many other people who did great things for God. They have a story. We tend to look at the, the last bit of the story and we think, wow, this person is so amazing and we have so much respect and admiration and surely I can never achieve this. But we don't know about the story. We don't know about the background and the, where people have come from. You know, let's bring it a bit closer to home. You would all agree that Andre's preaching is amazing. You know, I love his sermons. And, and I mean... We, we see him like he is today. Most of you see him as he is today. But when he preached his few, uh, not his few, his first few sermons in 2002, he could not eat. I asked his permission to share this. He couldn't eat the morning before he was going to preach. Not because he wasn't hungry. Maybe he wasn't hungry. I don't know. But he could, it was too stressful. He was stressed out because he was going to do what I do today. And for him, it was a brand new unfamiliar territory that he had to grow into. I mean, he doesn't look scared anymore, does he? No, he doesn't. But in 2002, he wasn't kicked off the street or, you know, asked not to come back anymore. But 
He preached without breakfast because he couldn't eat. And you know, we all have a journey. What if Andre decided this is too stressful? You know, I'm going to just be an industrial engineer. He studied industrial engineering. So what if he decided, no, 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 this preaching stuff, you know, if I can't even eat, surely this is not what I'm called to do. What if he, what if he decided to walk away because he couldn't eat in the mornings? We would not have heard the sermons that were here today. But he, he persevered. He endured. He went without breakfast for I don't know how many Sundays. And it was okay. It was okay. It's part of his story. It's part of his journey. You know, and everybody who is successful has a story. So I want to declare this morning, you are well able to persevere because God is with you. Amen? In fact, let's say this. Say, I am well able to persevere because God is with me. Amen. Amen. Let's talk about partnership, teamwork. I love this one. I love that the Bible says in Ecclesiastes 4, verse 9 and 12, it says, two are better than one because they have a good reward for their labor. The one may be overpowered by another. Two can withstand him. There's something about partnership. There's something about joining together. There's something about community, what we experience in church. There's power in a united team, power in a partnership, in a, in a unity. This is why marriage is so powerful. It can either be really powerful, it can be really destructive, because we two join together. When two people pray a prayer of agreement, the Bible says we can move mountains. There's something about a partnership and unity, you know, that, that can overcome anything, you know. And I want to encourage you to, to not think that you need to be good at everything. It's not necessary because God intended us to partner with Him and with others. Success is never achieved in isolation. And sometimes God uses us, you know, sometimes we get the, the, the glory or the, the, you know, people actually, we get the credit for something and our part was maybe 10%. But God gave us the vision and he gave us people to partner with. And I really feel, you know, Andre mentioned my book, I really feel that in a way I get the credit for something I did that was, a, my part was small because God gave me people. You know, I want to share with you the background story. Not all of you know it. I, I started my book in 2016, Free to Be. Gave it my all. It's not my strength. Writing is not my strength. I can do accounting and I can play the piano. That's it, okay? I can't, I can't necessarily write. It was not my strength. It still isn't my strength. But I felt I must do this. So I gave it my all six months. There. First draft. I'm so proud of it. I showed it to my husband. And he was very polite. But I could see that this is not nearly good enough for publishing. I thought, you know, save his PDF. Publish my book. There we go. And I needed help. And I, was, I felt so depressed because I was willing to work hard. But I did not know how to. I didn't have the skill to finish it. So for the whole of 2017, I, I did nothing. I only felt depressed. When I think about it, I felt depressed. When Andre talks about this book that must be finished, 
I only felt depression and, and despondency because I, I really didn't know how to finish it. So at the beginning of 2018, the Holy Spirit did not leave me alone, and I knew I had to finish it, but I said to God, I can't do this. And he knew I couldn't because I, he gave me help. So he gave me friends like Kerry Collins and somebody like Nastasha Kutze. Uh, Most of you would still remember her. They moved to Somerset West. They partnered with me, and they helped me, rewrote a big part of my book, <laughs> fixed all the worse and worse and all those things. But I needed more than fixing tenses on grammar. I needed somebody to help me take my little bit of English that I now can speak and write to, to in, put it into a format where people will not put the book down after page one. <laughs> and... We did it together, you know, and needless to say that JP did the design and he did the, he, I mean, everything about my book was teamwork. And for me, it, it is the most amazing thing to look at something that, yes, I have achieved, but not in isolation. It was a team effort. It was something that, that gives me so much satisfaction because I know I couldn't do this on my own. But God gave me the right people to do this. So I am working on a second book called Life is Beautiful, and I'm launching in May this year. I'm really excited. This is also JP's work. Making something that I envision look beautiful. But once again, you know, God even gave me another person who's helping me edit. And... It is just an amazing privilege to, to partner with people. It is, it is such an honor. And for me, I just know that you don't need to be able to do everything to do what God calls you to do. Because for some reason, God wants me to write these books. I mean, I always say to Andre, I'm not writing books. I'm not doing TV ministry. I'm still not doing TV ministry. <laughs> but... I am now writing books, and I, I have no idea where I find the time, and I have no idea how I actually get to the end product. But the one thing I know is I don't have what it takes. Sonica doesn't have what it takes, but a team and, and God, anything is possible. So I want to encourage you to dream. I want to encourage you to say to yourself, I am well able with God. You know, I'm, I love how, how JP and Stephen brought Porter Coffee to life. They had this dream. They partnered. There's a partnership. And <laughs> if, if JP had to do this by himself or Stephen had to do this by himself, just him, maybe it would not have happened. I don't know. Maybe it would. But there's a partnership. There's something beautiful in a partnership. This is why... Again, I want to say, well, marriage is so beautiful. And I want to encourage you guys to not see your spouse as a competitor or as a threat, but as a partner. Your spouse, your husband, or your wife is your partner. You can, you can do so much in that partnership. You underestimate your marriage partnership. You underestimate the unity and the anointing that there is in a marriage. And this is why there's such an attack on marriages, because the devil is so scared of what could come from this partnership. So don't allow him to mess with you. Do whatever it takes to fight 
for your spouse's heart because ultimately there's something beautiful that's going to come from your union and your partnership. Amen? Amen. We do life together as a church. We do life together. We're not just a, a club, you know, where people come together and they play their tennis and they go home. We are a family. We do life together. This is why we say together we're living out the fullness of Christ, which means on a spiritual level, all of us, it's not necessary that each one of us must be able to play the guitar. It's not necessary that each one of us must be able to, to preach. We are a family and we do this together. However, we learn from one another. So maybe some of us, it's re- we're really good prayers. We're really good intercessors. And I want to thank all of you who could make our planted session last week, Saturday, because the idea was to learn from one another, to rub off on one another, that the people who are passionate about prayer, that we learn from them, the people who are passionate about kids, that we learn from them, that we catch their vision. Because who knows? Who knows if God wants to use you as an intercessor? Who knows if God actually wants you to serve in kids' church? And maybe you have... You have According to your, to your own view of yourself, this is not who you are. But I never thought I would write a book. It's re- it wasn't even on my bucket list or in my dreams. It was nowhere to be found in any of my thoughts. But God had it in His thoughts. So we as a church, we come together, we learn, we, we equip you to do the work of the ministry. And I want to encourage you to explore, to Try a different ministry to try something you've never tried before because who knows? Who knows? You might love it. You might enjoy it. You might find something that you thought is never going to be part of your future and now you absolutely love it. We do church together. Amen. And I also want to declare you are well able to partner with the right people because that's very important. A partnership with the wrong person can be chaos. You are well able to partner with the right people because God is with you. He will guide you. I really sense there are quite a few of us this morning. We need to partner, whether it's in business, whether it's in, in you know, just in a, maybe a hobby even or something you're pursuing. We need to partner. Some of us need to partner, but you need to partner with the right people. And I really feel that God says, ask me. Ask my guidance. Ask my wisdom. Don't just rush into a partnership. Ask me. God wants you to partner with the right people. Amen. Let's talk about the next one. Your past does not determine your future. We are not a victim of our past. So we need to persevere. We need to partner. And we need to tell ourselves we are not victims. We are not victims of our past. In Philippians 3, verse 13, the Apostle Paul says, One thing I do... Forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forward to those things which are ahead. Forgetting those things which are behind. So we don't dig them up. We don't think about them. We don't dwell on them. We don't think that those things define us. So you are not a victim of your past. Your parents' divorce does not determine your future. Your own divorce does not determine your future. Whatever you are battling with, whatever you have battled with in the past, 
it doesn't disqualify you from becoming what God calls you to do. Our, our past does not determine our future. We're not victims. You know, we're all inspired by Sia Kulisi, now a Springbok captain. You know, if, again, there's a journey, I want to encourage you to all go and Google his stories. It's so inspiring. You know, his mother had him when she was 16 years old. His dad kind of removed himself from the picture, but his mother looked after him, and when he was 15, she died. So then, so he had his mom for 15 years. She died, and then his grandmom raised him. So he grew up in an impoverished township just outside of P.E. He's an Eastern Cape boy. And he had a tough upbringing, tough. He shares how he loved going to school because they could get one slice of bread and uh, milk powder that they would mix with water, and that would be often his only meal for the day. But he loved school because he would get food. And he's a big boy, eh? He's a big boy. I know he survived on one slice of bread and milk powder mixed with water, but his story is so inspiring. So who would have thought, who would have thought that he would be selected as a Springbok captain on what, 28 May 2018? Who would have thought that this boy, his mom had him when she was 16, his dad was nowhere to be seen, so he was, he wasn't, he was, he was growing up in a dysfunctional home. But God saw something. Even before he was born, God said, you're going to lift that Web Alice Cup in 2019. You're going to do it, my boy. You're going to do it. God knew that. But who would have thought that a, a little black boy born from a 16-year-old girl would do this? Ever? I mean, is this even possible? But God had a dream. And God said, your past will not determine your future. Who would have thought that God would give him this kind of platform to testify? He's an outspoken Christian. He had Jesus written on his wristband. He, he, he's such an inspiration for our nation and for our country. His past did not determine his future. So I want to take you to a scripture in Samuel 1, Samuel 22. You know, we all hear about David's mighty men. Again, there's a backstory. There's a journey. So 1 Samuel 22, it says, David therefore departed from there and he escaped to the cave of Adullam. So when his brothers and all his father's house heard it, they went down there to see him. And everyone was in distress, everyone was in debt, and everyone was discontented or bitter of soul gathered to him. So he became captain over them. And there were about 400 men. Now, the message translation, the message translation is not so polite. It says, all who were down on their luck came around losers and vagrants and misfits of all sorts. It doesn't sound like a great army to me. It, it sounds like a bunch of losers that poor David now had to kind of inspire. You know, imagine 400 men. They, they bit off soul. They're in debt. They what? Misfits of all sorts. <laughs> Losers. Imagine you now need to coach 400 men in that state. I feel sorry for you. <laughs> but David was the kind of man that God said, if, you know, 
if you can do this, you can transform these men into mighty men. So they partnered with the right man. They partnered with the right captain. But if you read in 2 Samuel 23 and in 1 Chronicles 11 and 12, it's, this was the beginning of a group of select and courageous fighting men that David gathered around himself. And they listed by name and by the amazing exploits one chapter later and in another book in the Bible. They list their names. They list their exploits. They talk about these men as if they were warriors and heroes. But in 1 Samuel 22, the picture did not look good. It looked very dark and somber and depressing. But God saw something else. God didn't see that they were in debt, that they were discontented and bit off soul. He saw warriors. He saw 400 mighty men gathering around David. And God had this, this vision and this picture. Your past does not determine your future. The amount of debt you have does not determine your future. Wherever you come from, your, your family or you know, the, the way you were raised, it does not determine your future. It does not disqualify you from what God wants you to do. So the next time you feel God cannot use you, remember, I'm going to give you a list now, that Abram was really old, but he became the father of many nations. So don't let your age keep you from what God calls you to do. Jacob was a liar, but he... It's not on the slides. Jacob was a liar, but he was the father of the 12 tribes of Israel. Sorry, you need to listen now. Okay, you can't look. You need to listen. Otherwise, you're going to miss it. Moses had a stuttering problem. He couldn't speak to Pharaoh, but he led the Israelites through the desert to the promised land. He said, I can't speak. Gideon was afraid, remember? He had no confidence. He had a bad self-image, but he saved Israel from the Midianites. Rahab was a prostitute. But she was a great-great-grandmother of King David. I love this one. She was a prostitute. Who would have thought that she was fit for the, being the great-great-grandmother of King David? It is, it's just incredible if you look at the journey of people. And, and God doesn't look the way we look. God doesn't measure success or, or achievements in the way we do it. David had a fair and he was a murderer, but he was called a man after God's own heart. Timothy was very young, but he was an example to the church, and the apostle Paul promoted him. He was young. So age is not, I mean, I loved what it was Michaela sharing at our planted morning. She shared uh, the first time she prayed for somebody in church. She's now 13 years old. She's part of our youth. She prayed for somebody who said to her, I battle with Mary, my marriage. Now she's 13. Now she needs to pray for a married woman battling with her marriage. And how she did that, and how it was so intimidating to her, but she did it. And how she got feedback from that woman, how God, you know, did something and just gave her hope. And it was just incredible to hear a testimony from, from a 13-year-old. You know, often we say, I'm not married. How can I pray for somebody who's married with a marriage problem? If a 13-year-old can do that, we all can pray for people who are battling with anything that we can't relate to. 
Timothy was very young, but he was an example to the church. Elijah was suicidal. Yes. But he was a mighty prophet of the Lord. Jonah ran from God and he was disobedient. But he was used as a powerful evangelist. God didn't hold it against him. The disciples fell asleep. When Jesus needed them the most, they fell asleep. How's that for friendship? You know? How's that for brotherhood? Now they, they like sleeping and Jesus is sweating blood. You know, I, I can just imagine how he must have felt. He's going through the most, most difficult moment in his life and his brothers are actually sleeping. But that was also fine because God used them to build his church. How beautiful is that? You know, you are well able to leave behind, to forget those things which are behind and to reach forward to those things which are ahead. I'm going to read you one more scripture, 1 Corinthians 1, verse 26 to 29. For you see your calling, brethren, not many wise, chosen the foolish things of the world to put to shame the wise. And God has chosen the weak things of the world to put to shame the things which are mighty. And the base things of the world and the things which are despised, God has chosen. And the things which are not to bring to nothing the things that are, so that no flesh should glory in his presence. You know, and if I look at my life, I know why God wants to use me in my weaknesses. Because if this works, if whatever I do this morning, if this works, it's God's. Because I can't wing it on stage. I'm not good enough. I'm not, I'm not a natural motivational speaker. I have a journey. I have had so many sleepless nights before I get up on stage. I've had so many moments where I had to make war against fear and intimidation to do what I do this morning. But when this works, I know that this is God. When this means anything to anybody, I know that God will get the glory because I cannot do this in my own strength. So do not be intimidated by your weaknesses or by something that you feel you can't do because if God calls you in that area, He will get the glory. No flesh can glory in, in, in God's presence because it is God who does that through us. There's many of you who can speak better. You are well-spoken. You are natural on stage. There's many of you who can write better. But for some reason, and I know that reason, God has chosen me to, to, to use me in my weaknesses, in my area of weakness. I'll rather play the keyboard than speak in front of you guys. I feel very safe there behind the keyboard. Some of you need to break out of your comfort of strength. So this is my strength and I stay here because I feel comfortable and I feel in control. Maybe God wants you to break out of your comfort of strength and he wants, he wants to push you in an area of weakness and he wants to see how you depend on him to make it happen. He wants to see how you cry out to him to enable you and how something that is your weakness becomes something beautiful because it's not you. It's Jesus working in you and through you. It's the most amazing thing to do something from a position of weakness. And you know you can't take any glory for it. Because it's not your natural ability. But God is not intimidated by that. You know, I want to I wanna end with a person that for me is a, a massive inspiration. 
maybe some of you have heard of him, maybe some of you have seen video clips, called Nick Vujicic. He was born without arms and legs. And his mom didn't want to see him or hold him when the nurse you know, held him in front of her. Just after he was born, she was like, I don't want to see him, I don't want to hold him for her. It was this massive shock, which is understandable. But praise God, his parents accepted his condition, and he had a, actually a fairly normal childhood, as absurd as this might sound. But he's got two small and deformed feet, so he's got no arms and legs, but he's, he's got two small deformed feet, the one which he calls his chicken drumstick. Do yourself a favor and go and watch a few of his, his, his clips on, on the internet. He calls it his chicken drumstick because of its shape. But now in the beginning, the toes of his chicken drumstick, drumstick the, the toes were fused, so he couldn't use them. But with the operation, they actually separated the toes, and then he started using his toes to turn a page or to, you know, to do like grab things. But now he's been able to use his foot to operate an electric wheelchair, a computer, and a mobile phone, which is incredible. He thought he would never be able to get married. You know, because he said, who, what kind of man can't even hold his, wife, his wife's hand? What kind of man is he going to be? What kind of husband is he going to be if he can't even hold his wife's hand? But against all odds, he got married to this amazing, amazing woman. I have so much respect for her. In 2012, they got married. This is his family. He's got twin daughters. He thought he would never marry, he would never have children. And, you know, he says that if you can't get your miracle, become one. If you can't get your miracle, become a miracle. You know, and I, I say to myself, if this man, if this man can overcome his past, his, his obstacles, his weaknesses, if he can overcome this, I can overcome my fears, and I can overcome my inability to speak English, and I can overcome my insecurity in terms of my writing ability. I can overcome everything if this man can go from a baby without arms and legs, growing, you know, imagine what he must have endured as a child. I mean, in school you get mocked and teased if your ears are a little bit funny, or if you... You know, if any kind of thing that is not out of anything out of the norm, you become the focus point, you know, <laughs> at school because kids are not kind in general. They don't think, you know, the effect of their words. I can just imagine what he must have gone through. But today he's an evangelist, he's a motivational speaker, he's addressed over 5 million people in over 44 countries, over 5 continents. I am so inspired by this man. So I want to show you just a very short video clip. There are so many on the internet. I really battled to pick one to show you, but this one really spoke to me. I just want to show you a quick one. Thanks. I've always loved the water so much. 
ever since I was a kid, the burning desire in me was to do what everyone else can do. I love being in the water. Pick you up. Hello, hello. Mommy's here. Good morning. Who is ready for some breakfast? Say me. Me. Yes, let's go. Good morning, baby. He's okay. Okay, okay. Oh, he's so ready for breakfast. Okay, let's go. Let's go. I say, do yourself a favor, go and watch a few of his clips. I think it, you know, when, when, when I look at his life, I think nothing is impossible with God. Nothing is impossible with God. God is with you. God is able to turn your greatest weakness, your greatest obstacle, your greatest fear, your greatest challenge. He can turn around and he can use it. This man is changing millions of people. He is he, leading so many people to Jesus. Because if he can have a life that is glorifying God, if he can have peace, if he can have joy, if he can be positive, surely we can. Amen? I'm so inspired and I want to encourage you this morning that 2020 is in God's hands. All we need to do is to partner with the Lord, to persevere, to, to let go of our past, to forget about those things which, which are behind. Because God is faithful and He's good. And He sees pictures of your life. He sees, He dreams about you and your children and your, and your marriage. He dreams about things that we don't even dream about, but He dreams about it. So let's partner with the Lord in this year. And let's be more than overcomers because this is the beauty of serving Jesus. We don't need to have it all. We don't need to know it all. We don't need to have all the knowledge and all the understanding of everything. But we can put our trust in God and He can turn around any situation for our good and His glory. Amen. Amen. Thank you for listening. Find more on Shofar East London's podcast channel. Let's do life together.